0: She was born in 1820 in Putnam, New York. Fanny Crosby now as we look back we can say was without a doubt the most prolific hymnist in history. Though blinded by an incompetent doctor at six weeks of age, she went on to write 8,000 hymns. Don't ever think that God can't use you because of a disability, inability, or anything else. About her blindness, she said this, It seemed intended by the blessed providence of God that I should be blind all my life, and I thank him for the dispensation. If perfect earthly sight were offered me tomorrow, I would not accept it. I might not have sung hymns to the praise of God if I had been distracted by the beautiful and interesting things around me. In her lifetime, Fanny Crosby was one of the the best-known women in the United States. To this day, the vast majority of hymnals all over the world are filled with her works. When she died, her tombstone carried the words, Aunt Fanny, and these words which she wrote, Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. We're going to sing a trio of Miss Crosby's hymns this morning. Sing with us, with that same focus, with our eyes only upon the object of our worship. Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb.
1: How I love to proclaim it Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb Redeemed through His infinite mercy His child and forever I am Redeemed, redeemed Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb child and forever i am be deemed and so happy in jesus no language my rapture can tell i know that the light of his presence with me doth continually dwell the blood of the Lamb Redeem Redeem His child and forever I am I think of my blessed Redeemer I think of Him all the day long I sing for I cannot be silent His love is the is so
0: go those words this morning, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Another great hymn she wrote, I am thine, O Lord, I have heard thy voice and it told thy love to me, but I long to rise in the arms of faith and be closer drawn to thee. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord.
1: I've heard Thy voice, and it told Thy love to me. But I long to rise in the arms of faith and be closer on to Thee. Draw me nearer, draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross. Precious Bleeding Son Consecrate me Now to thy service Lord By the power of Grace divine Listen to these words Let my soul look up With a steadfast hope And my will be Lost in thine Amen of love that I cannot know till I cross the narrow sea. There are heights of joy that I may not reach till I rest in peace with thee. Draw me nearer. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding Son. Draw me nearer, draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross. pressure
0: be our prayer Lord draw us nearer to thee and we're going to close with this song sweet song tell me the story of Jesus write on my heart every word tell me the story most precious sweetest that ever was heard
2: our sister Kara Lorenko and the treatments that she's going through and how God is sustaining her. Let's continue to pray for God's big answer, big miracle, and God's will to be done. Thank you.
3: Very good morning to each and every one of you, and uh, we'll continue where we left off last week in 1 Samuel. Last week we were at uh, Chapter 20, and uh, Jonathan is not encountered in uh, Chapters 21 and 22, so we'll pick it up in Chapter 23, and I'll ask uh, Dean if he would read for us, please, 1 Samuel, chapter 23, from verse 1 to 18. First
2: book of Samuel, chapter 23, verses 1 to 18. Then they told David, saying, Look, the Philistines are fighting against Keliah, and they are robbing their floors. Therefore David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, Go and attack the Philistines and save Keliah. But David's men said to him, Look, we were afraid here in Judah. How much more than if we go to Keliah against the armies of the Philistines? Then David inquired once again, and the Lord answered him and said, Arise, go down to Keliah. For I will deliver the Philistines into your hand. And David and his men went to Keliah and fought with the Philistines, struck them with a mighty blow, and took away their livestock. David saved the inhabitants of Keliah. Now it happened when Abiathar, the son of Abimelech, fled to David at Keliah, that he went down with an ephod in his hand. And Saul was told that David had gone to Keliah. So Saul said, God has delivered him into my hand, for he has shut himself in by entering a town that has gates and bars. Then Saul called all the people together for war to go down to Keliah to besiege David and his men. When David knew that Saul plotted evil against him, he said to Abiathar the priest, bring the ephod here. Then David said, O Lord God of Israel, your servant has certainly heard that Saul seeks to come to Keliah to destroy the city for my sake. Will the men of Keliah deliver me into his hand? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? O Lord God of Israel, I pray, tell your servant. And the Lord said, He will come down. Then David said, Will the men of Kiliah deliver me and my men into the hands of Saul? And the Lord says, They will deliver you. So David and his men, about 600, arose and departed from Keliah and went wherever they could go. Then it was told Saul that David had escaped from Keliah, and so he halted the expedition. And David stayed in the stronghold in the wilderness and remained in the mountains in the wilderness of Ziph. Saul sought him every day, but God did not deliver him into his hand. So Saul said, so David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life, and David was in the forest of Ziph, in a, in a for, wilderness of Ziph, in a forest. Then Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the woods and strengthened his hand in God. And he said to him, "Do not fear, for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Even my father Saul knows that." So the two of them made a covenant before the Lord, and David
3: stayed in the woods, and Jonathan went to his own house. Thank you, Dean. Now, there's no mention of Jonathan in chapters 21 and 22 for a very good reason. You see, while he stood shoulder to shoulder with his father in their uh, battle with the Philistines, Jonathan was never... Joining Saul when he was hunting David. And so these two chapters were focusing on the hunt for David. And so we don't see Jonathan in the picture. Because when something that was being done that was not right. He did not join his father. Now right here in chapter 23 is the final meeting. The final encounter that we have between Jonathan and David. And we find that account, uh, verses 16 to 18, that Dean just read. Now, early in the chapter that was read to us, uh, we read of the treachery of the men of Keilah. You see, these men, although David had saved them from the Philistine marauders, what they did was that uh, they intended to double cross David and hand him over to Saul. You see, what ingratitude. David saves them at the in the first few verses we read, and then when the opportunity arose, they were willing to hand him over to Saul. And then, the portion of this chapter that we didn't read, which is from verses 19 onwards, there you will find the story of the Ziphites. And uh, how they wanted to expose David as well. So you see this chapter when you read it. There you have, at the beginning of it, the men from Keilah, how they were going to double-cross David. Then at the end of the chapter, you have the story of the Ziphites and how they were going to expose David. But right there in the middle, verses 16 to 18, you have a beautiful act that Jonathan did, how he came and he encouraged David. Now this is a very important scriptural principle that we see several times over in scripture. Uh, a beautiful diamond is illustrated against a dark backcloth. At the beginning of the chapter, you have something terrible that was going to be done, double crossing. At the end of the chapter, you have Uh, people who were wanting to hand over uh, David to Saul, but in the middle of this chapter this story of how Jonathan encouraged David, this beautiful deed. You see, why does the Bible do this? The scripture always tries to bring out the beauty of wonderful deeds or acts that are done for God. We see it over and over again. Let me give you one example, uh, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. And here uh, we read from verses 6 to uh, 13 about Mary's good work that you all would know well about. But before verse 6, from verses uh, one to five, you will notice that uh, there is a conference between the chief priests, scribes, and the elders to arrange the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then afterwards, uh, verses 14 to 16, you would see the offer of Judas to betray him. So you see, at the top and at the bottom, there is two terrible deeds that were going to be done. But in the middle, a beautiful story about Mary's good work. So here, when we go back to 1 Samuel chapter 23, scripture warns us to notice what Jonathan did. That is why it's placed in the middle between two acts of treachery and double crossing. So uh, uh, it is very important that when such a, uh, when it is presented in such a way that we should look closely at the words that are in verses 16 to 18 of 1 Samuel 23, because there are many thoughts for us to learn. Scripture has highlighted this portion, and we could focus on it. You see, the Bible is a wonderful, wonderful book, the Word of God. And over and over again, you see the way this book has been written in no other uh, uh, no other book has been written um, in this way, you see. God often notes the timing of special events, for example. Um, you see, to kill a lion was not unique in scripture. Many people have done it. But it is said of Benaniah in 1 Chronicles chapter 11 and verse 22, 1 Chronicles chapter 11 and verse 22, that he slew a lion in a pit in a snowy day. You see, to normally kill a lion, it's not a big deal. Many have done it. But he did it in a snowy day. It means it was, uh, uh, he had to fight harder. It's more difficult to do it when uh, there's snow all around. You see how precise the word of God is? God's word is inspired for this very reason. You see, threshing wheat is no big deal in scripture. All over scripture you see people threshing wheat. But for Gideon to do it in a wine press, under the noses of the Midianites, it was a remarkable deed. And that's why scripture highlights that. And then, to give a king, uh, or to give David um, uh, a fugitive, uh, shelter would have been a um, foolish thing to do in those days because Saul was after him. There was many people trying to shop him in. But uh, Barzillai, in 2 Samuel seventeen thirty eight, what did he do? He gave bre- uh, bed, bread and food to David. And scripture highlights us for that. You see, Absalom was chasing David. And this man was putting his uh, life in danger by helping David. But yet he chose to do so. And scripture highlights this for us. So, Jonathan's intervention here was so very commendable. He did it while David was a fugitive. So, let's look at these verses right here in the middle of chapter 23. Firstly, I want you to notice verse 14. Verse 14, And David abode in the wilderness in strongholds and remained in the mountains in the wilderness of Zip, and Saul sought him every day, but God delivered him not into his hands. I want you to notice this. Saul sought him every day. Daily pressure did nothing to undermine David. David. Saul sought him every day. Day after day, he was under pressure. Day after day, he was being hunted down like a dog. And daily pressure did not make David buckle. You remember Joseph uh, in Genesis chapter uh, 39 and verse 10, we find that Joseph, he was under daily pressure. And how did Joseph react? Genesis 39 verse 10. And it came to pass as she spoke to Joseph day by day, he hearkened not unto her to lie by her. You know this story of Potiphar's wife? Joseph was under daily pressure, but he did not give in. Who else was under daily pressure in scripture? Samson, Judges chapter 16 and verses 16 and 17. Judges chapter 16, verses 16 and 17. And it came to pass when she pressed him daily, daily, with words and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death. And the next verse, verse 17 please that he told her all his heart and said unto her, there had not come a razor upon my head. Samson, he collapsed under daily pressure. My brother, my sister, all of us are under daily pressure from the issues of life. All of us come under temptations. Let us be like David. He was under daily pressure from King Saul, but he did not collapse under this pressure. Let us be like Joseph, daily pressure to give in from Potiphar's wife, and he did not give in. Let us not follow the example of Samson. You see, um, next I want you to notice that in our chapter, Saul's, uh, Jonathan's concern um, For David. You see, scripture tells us that Saul was searching for David daily. And that means that Saul did not know where David was. Is that not right? Because if he knew where he was, he would have gone straight up and found him. But you notice in verse 16 it tells us, And Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David. Into the wood. You see, Jonathan knew where David was. And he has Saul searching everywhere for him, and he does not really know where to find him. But Jonathan knew where David was. You see, this indicates to me that he had a deep interest in David's movements, and he was following his progress with great concern. He had not walked out of David's life in the way that Demas had left Paul uh, on the journey and gone away, but uh, he was following closely after what David did. But you see, see, my brother, my sister, yet his half-hearted commitment to David was still not satisfactory. You see, you can see that he obviously wasn't telling his father where David was, otherwise Saul would have been straight in and you know, found him in the woods. So he had some commitment towards David, but it was half-hearted, as we saw uh, last week. You see, the final chapter of his life would have been so different if only he had been devoted. Now, there was a man called Ittai, and we find how devoted he was to David. Uh, In 2 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 21, we see the account of Itai. In fact, the previous two verses tell us that he was a new recruit to David's ranks. David told him, no need for you to join me. You only just joined me yesterday. You can go back to your home. But what did Itai say? He said in 2 Samuel chapter 15 verse 21, Surely in what place my lord the king shall be Whether in life or death Even there also will thy servant be You see, Itai wanted to be with David Through thick and thin Through life and death Whereas Jonathan, even though his actions were so commendable Yet he was only willing to come and be part of David's life From a time to time basis Not willing to give his all to David. You see there is a a wonderful hymn that uh, Isaac Watts wrote and it starts like this uh, or in it we see these words. Love so amazing, so divine demands my heart, my life, my all. You see that is what our God is expecting from us. He wants us to give our all to him. He wants us to give my life, my all. He demands it. Jonathan was willing to go so far for David, but he wasn't willing to give it all. but a new recruit, like Itai, he was willing to give it all to his master. Now, uh, let us go back to uh, 1 Samuel 23, and we're at verse 16. So to summarize the benefit of uh, Jonathan's visit to David, we see in verse 16 that it says that, strengthened his hand in God. Strengthened his hand in God. You see, David's fortitude in the face of adversity was dependent on strength from God. You see, and indeed God was acting for him. We saw in verse 14, God was protecting David. Do you remember when the archers grieved Joseph and shot at him in Genesis chapter 49 and in verse 24, it tells us that the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. You see, my brother, my sister, we are in safe secure hands when we are with god you see when you are beset by difficulties divine strength will invigorate you even when you are stripped of all human support david was all alone in the woods saul was after him and what the scripture tells us he strengthened his hand in god it's god that is giving The strength. There was a time when, in David's life, when his troops uh, were angry with him and they spoke of stoning him. And in those circumstances, he had to strengthen himself in God. 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse 6 tells us how he strengthened himself in God. You see, my brother, my sister, I want you to be encouraged. You see, when human help fails us, we can cast all our care about on our God because he cares for us. Jonathan, uh, David, was in the woods. He was being hunted every day. He had hardly any human support. The all-powerful king and his men were after him. And so what did David do? He strengthened himself in God. Let us look to God for strength when we are facing the tribulations of life. Be like Jonathan. Minister encouragement to saints when you see that they are in trouble. You see, uh, believers from Rome, we see in the Acts of the Apostles, they did just that. Uh, In Acts chapter 28 and verse 15, it tells us Acts 28 and verse 15, that they trekked down to the three taverns to meet Paul. And the very sight of them, scripture tells us that it encouraged his spirit. He thanked God and took courage. He thanked God and took courage. So you see, believers are able to encourage others in our service for God. Let us also be like Jonathan he went to David, and he encouraged him at a time when he was being searched for by his father. Then I want you to notice, back to our portion in 1 Samuel 23 and verse 17, I want you to notice the words fear not. Fear not. Now, throughout the Bible we would find the words fear not appearing several times. The very first time is in Genesis chapter 15, I believe. The very last time the words fear not appear is in Revelation. Hundreds of times over, it appears. And why is it? You see, because God wants us to have faith and trust in him. We do not need to fear because he is there to look after us. Trust in God. It will calm our fears when we are faced with the emergencies of life. And that is what uh, Jonathan was telling David here. Fear not. Now, the basis of Jonathan's encouragement was the knowledge that the final outcome of David's circumstances was going to be assured. You see, in verse 17, he says, thou shalt be king over Israel. Thou shalt be king over Israel. He was sure Of what David's future was going to be You see the point that I wish to make on this Is that the vision of future glory Should help to soothe the sting Of present hardships that we go through You see we are in the world today And we are faced with multiple different hardships From different directions And it is important that we go through these hardships Because God has given it for us But one day, we will reign with him, and these hardships will be no more. But if we want to enjoy that privilege of reigning with him, we have to go through this in the life that we have here. Now, um, David, um, Jonathan anticipated being David's deputy. We can see that in verse 17. But this never materialized. And then in verse 18 we see the covenant that they made. The covenant that they made to each other. Uh, And the two made a covenant before the Lord. And David abode there in the wood. You see, um, David seemed to sanction this covenant despite Jonathan's unwillingness to share in the um, travails that he was facing. And then, I want you to notice that um, suffering God, he intervened, and because of Jonathan's death, this covenant never needed to be implemented. You see, why was this? God was teaching that suffering must precede glory. Jonathan was unwilling to suffer with David. You see there, it says that David abode in the wood, and Jonathan went to his house. Jonathan was unwilling to suffer with David. Do you remember the story of uh, James and John? How they wanted to have a special place in heaven. Uh, You see that story in Matthew chapter 20 and verse 22. But could they drink his cup and share his baptism, the Lord asked? They hadn't gone through the suffering that our Lord Jesus had gone through. But yet they wanted to be able to have a special part. You see, scripture is very clear. In 2 Timothy 2.12, it tells us, If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. Jonathan wanted to go to his home. He didn't want to go with David into the wood. You see, we have to, bearing his reproach, scripture tells us, that means we have to suffer like he suffered. Uh, It's called training for reigning. If you want to enjoy the benefits of reigning, well you have to go through the suffering that first precedes it. Jonathan shrank from it, and so when David went back into the wood, Jonathan went to his home, and this time it was goodbye for the last time. You see, my brother, my sister, this is the point that I have uh, been wanting to make. The desire for present comfort robbed him of future reward. I hope that uh, we would be those that choose to, in this day and age, suffer for the sake of Christ, and so we can enjoy a glorious, better future with him in heaven. Remember uh, the story of Uriah the Hittite. Uh, It's found in 2 Samuel chapter 11 and verse 11. Uriah the Hittite, he faced a similar temptation. And how would he handle it? What did he do? You see, when his lord... uh, and his captain Joab, and his comrades were camped in the open field, Uriah had the opportunity to go home and be with his wife. But he chose not to go and be with his wife. He said, how can I do that? When my uh, fellow soldiers are out in the field suffering, he chose the part where he wanted to suffer with the other soldiers. Such lofty and ideals, no doubt they are typical of the man. And because of that, uh, he was honored by David. I know that uh, you know, Uriah was killed by David, but also at the latter part of David's life, in fact, we'll have a quick look at this, if you don't mind turning in your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 23. 2 Samuel chapter 23, And you see at the first verse, it says that these are the last words of David. You see, many great men of God, before they died, they had some last words. And here in 2 Samuel 23, these are David's last words. And you notice in verse 8, he starts to name the names of the mighty men whom he had during his lifetime. And this is a very interesting list for you to study if you are interested in being a student of the word of God. In 2 Samuel 23, the list, we find it uh, all the way up to verse 39, of all the men who had served David well. David remembered just before he died, now he was a king, He was reigning over the entire nation, so he would have come across many, many, many people in his lifetime. And he chose 37 people. You see that in verse 39? 37 in all. He chose 37 people to name as special people in his lifetime, his mighty men. And look at who's mentioned in verse 39. It's Uriah the Hittite, the very man, Bathsheba's husband, whom David sent to the battlefront to be killed. But, you see, David was younger then, and when he came to the end of his life, and he looked back, he realized that this man's heart was in the right place. Why? Because he didn't want to go home and be sleeping in his bed when he should be suffering with the other soldiers in the battlefield. And so when David had an opportunity to name all the special people, the mighty men that he'd been through in his lifetime, he chose Uriah as one of those 37 men. You see, it does not count whether you've served for a long time, whether you've served for Uh, You know, some people say, you know, I've served for 40, 50, 60 years, I've done this ministry, that ministry. It does not count. It's the quality of your service. It's whether you're willing to give it all for him. Take, for example, in verse 24, uh, there is one Ashel, the brother of Job. If you study the list of these people here, every one of them has a very interesting story. And verse 24 Ashel, the brother of Job, he uh, Joab, he died when just before David became king. He died when he was a young man. And David had a long successful reign as king. And just before his deathbed, here he's thinking back on all the people who had an impact on him. And he remembers this young man who died. Before he became king, even, and he didn't enjoy reigning with him. Why was he mentioned in the list? Because you see, Ashel went after Abner, King Saul's captain of his army. And Abner tried to tempt Ashel, saying, Don't chase after me, don't fight, don't try to catch me. And he offered him somebody else's armor. But Ashel, he did not waver to the left or to the right. He focused on his job. He went after Abner and Abner killed him by putting a spear under his fifth rib. You see, he died at a young age before he had real chance to serve David. But why did David put him in his list? Because his heart was focused on fully serving David. He didn't want to turn to the left or to the right like Abner had instructed him. But then There is one very important omission from this list. Who is omitted from this list of 37 men? It's the captain of uh, David's army, Joab, his general, who was with him through all the battles, who led one great victory after another. He is not found on this this list. Why is that? Long service, victory after victory, David's right-hand man, and David does not put him on the list of his 37 mighty men. You see, that shows me that it does not matter whether you've served for many, many years and you've been the right-hand man of the master. No, it doesn't matter. What matters is the quality of your service for him. Jonathan did not give quality service. He was there, here and there with David, He came and administered a few words, then he went back home. Jonathan's not on this list. My brother, my sister, if you want to serve God, I beg you, give your all to him. Don't be a half-hearted Christian. Don't be a Sunday morning only person. S.M.O.s they refer to us. Be someone who gives your all to Him. Then only will you make it to that list. When Adel writes, or if he writes a list, would your name be on it? Would you be one of those mighty people who've given your life in wholehearted sacrifice and service to our God? Be like that, don't follow the example that Jonathan set, where he was David's friend on some occasions, but he chose to go back to his house, the comforts of his home, rather than going with David into the wood. So finally, the Philistines, they got Jonathan, and we find that the account of his death is in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 31, the last chapter. Jonathan is not mentioned again after these verses that we looked at. And uh, right there at the end, we see uh, at the end of um, uh, chapter 31, uh, verse 8, Saul and his three sons fallen in Mount uh, Gilba, and they fastened their bodies to the wall of Beth-shan. So uh, what happened was that they got him at last. In the past, they had tried to unsuccessfully. The Philistines couldn't catch them, but now he was dead. If only he had stood by David. You see, like Peter, following the Lord at a distance, that made Peter vulnerable, wasn't it? You remember how he denied the Lord three times and he fell? Why? Because he was following the Lord at a distance. Jonathan also, if he had chosen to stick with David, he would have survived. David had a long, successful reign, but rather he went back to his father, and that is why he ended up in this uh, on this wall. Now I want you to notice one final thing, and that's 2 Samuel chapter one. 2 Samuel chapter one, and in verse. Um, Verse 4, David learns that Saul and Jonathan, his son, are dead. And then verse 17, (coughs) David starts to lament over Saul and Jonathan. And then, uh, David makes a tribute to Saul and Jonathan. And this tribute, I'd just like to go through it very quickly, found from verses 19 to 27. This tribute that he gave for Saul and Jonathan. Now, When you go through this tribute, from verses 19 to 27, you see that no mention is made of Saul and Jonathan's failures. No mention is made of their failures. It may be the nearest thing that we have in the Bible to a funeral address. And uh, so the point should not be lost on us, that there is no need to parade shortcomings at such a sensitive occasion. David did not do it. He did not have anything critical to say about Saul and Jonathan after they had died. And then among other things, David recalled Jonathan's courage in verse 22. The bow of Jonathan turned not back. And then verse 23, he says of Jonathan, he was like an eagle and a lion. And then in verse 23, His loyalty to his father is mentioned. He says, in their death, they were not divided. Now, in our studies together about Jonathan, we have questioned um, such undying loyalty, like Jonathan had for Saul. But David sees it as a virtue in his friend. Why is that? Why is David praising his loyalty to his father? In their death, they were not divided. You see, the reason is this. David loved Jonathan so much that he was willing to cover over his faults. Love covers a multitude of sins, doesn't it? And it happens to all of us. Even to our nearest and dearest sometimes, we are willing to overlook what they do because we love them so much. David was willing to cover over all the shortcomings in Jonathan and Saul's life. Saul, as you know, was trying to kill him virtually throughout this book. But he doesn't mention that. He covers over it. David's lamentation concludes with the remembrance of Saul's love. Verse 26, he says, Jonathan's love was wonderful passing the love of women. You see, David's wife, Michael, her love for David was a passing infatuation and it ended up with her despising him. But by contrast, Jonathan's love, it survived the hostile atmosphere in the royal court. His love, he sympathized with David. He defended David. He took Risks for David. You see, little wonder that David was heard to say in verse twenty-six, "I am distressed for thee, my brother Jonathan." Little wonder he snubbed, he sobbed, and he, uh, r- as he reviewed such an impressive life, when he said, "How the mighty are fallen." So let us remember this uh, from our study in Jonathan that he was somebody who was willing to go quite a distance, but he did not give it all. Let us be those today that we take the stand that if we are going to live for our Lord, that we give it all to him. That we don't become half Christians, half-hearted Christians. Let us go all the way in our commitment, in our service, in our love for the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank Thee this morning for another opportunity to look into the Word of God. We thank Thee, our Father, for the encouragement that we receive from the Word of God in our service for Thee. We pray, our Father, that when we are faced with life's challenges, when we are faced with the temptings, the temptations, that we would be those that stand fast, that even though we are daily tempted, that we will not give in, that we would fear not, that we would hold on to thy promises, that we would be those that rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, that we would be willing to lay it all aside and inter- instead focus on our Lord and give it all for him. May we be those who give our all for thy son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has done so much for us and we are so indebted to him. Part us now with thy blessings. We ask this in the precious and worthy name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.